This is FritzCast. What's up, guys? It's Saturday, November 16th, 2019, and welcome to this week's edition of the FritzCast. We're going to open up with a check-in from Bernie. He actually left me this elaborately long voicemail, which I don't understand how it works out because, um, you know, most voicemails you can only leave for a minute or two. He sent me, he sent me this. This is what he sent me. that you will enjoy paying more taxes because now you won't have to pay 
for anything medical ever. I mean, so what if I'm taxing your paycheck even more money because now you don't have to buy insurance to cover anything anymore. You'll just be able to go to the doctor. You'll just imagine, if you will, that you could just walk up into the doctor's office, say, hey, I've got this cough and cold, and they just give you medication that you would have bought at a CVS for eleven ninety five, but you don't have to pay a dime for it because I've taxed you already, Medicare for all. But that's the thing. I said that I would tax you more and that you would like it. And what's my friend Elizabeth Warren doing? She's kind of lying to you. She's kind of saying, like, oh, only the billionaires will pay. And I mean, you know, they will. The, 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 they, they will. The, the billionaires will pay. They should fear us. We're coming for them. Top tenth of one percent. Flush them down the toilet like the dookies on my bus. We're definitely coming for them. We're definitely going to make them pay. But let's be realistic. She's not saying that the middle class is going to pay more in taxes. And the fact of the matter is, is that they are. So, uh, you know, if there's a moral of a story uh, that I could think of, it would be that my Medicare for All plan is far better than Elizabeth Warren's. Thank you for the time. That's good. That's probably all we'll be hearing from Bernie today. Uh, but thank thank goodness. Uh, thank goodness it's not him breaking into my house. Thank goodness it's not him calling into the show for a live discussion right now uh, because I am a busy bee, as it were. Um, so uh, it's been it's been a couple weeks, and that comes that comes with the territory of uh, you know baby care. <laughs> Things get a little hectic, and I'm I'm coming up on a couple of weeks off now. So I get to kind of decompress, unwind, enjoy the holidays a little bit, and uh, get more bonding time in, which is great. I, I love, if it's not clear, I adore my daughter. And I am stunned by my wife every day. It's an amazing thing to be living this and experiencing it over the past two months. Well, really... Stretching back into, you know, my wife's pregnancy. It's it's been it's it's an amazing ride, and it's very hard to describe it in these little spurts that I do. But that's part of the reason why I run the database blog post. Which uh, which by the way, there's a new database blog post that you can catch at Fritzcast database at WordPress or dot WordPress dot com. Link will be in the description. So you can check that out, and that's actually the uh, the two-month entry, how it's been through uh, two months of this little amazing girl's life, um, which every day is, it's like every day is a blessing, and every day is a new day, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's indescribable being a father, it really is. Uh, that that is of course, in turn, produced several hectic weeks, though, it happens, um, but it hasn't been uneventful per se we've been able to take her on trips uh we've gone to like gettysburg went to gettysburg oh my god i used to go to gettysburg a lot as a child because it's uh within two hours of here uh, i've gone at least at least three or more times and uh, it's very different from when i was a kid when i was a kid there were different museums there there was uh like a wax museum with a interactive 
like wax figure show. Uh, there was this giant electronic map production, among other things. And then they did battlefield restoration, and they actually started tearing down buildings from the battlefield to make it more historically accurate, the landscape more historically accurate, which was uh, which was actually a great move for Gettysburg. And then they put in a giant actual main museum, which it never had before. You used to go there to the visitor center, grab a map, and then you would uh, you know, you'd be off. And the field is just if you've never been to Gettysburg. If you ever, ever get the opportunity and you have somewhat of an appreciation of American history, go to Gettysburg. Because it's a massive battlefield. There are cannons littered around the battlefield in the original setups that there were. There are dozens upon dozens of monuments marking actual battle line spots where actual generals and and, uh, other... People in the war had fallen, uh, and it's just it's an amazingly beautiful landscape as well. You're talking a, you're talking a nice uh, farmland, plains, hills, rocks. Uh, kids would love it there. There's cannons everywhere. They have live actor demonstrations and all this stuff out the wazoo. They have an amazing museum, uh, plenty of films to watch, plenty to take in, plenty of artifacts to see up close. And then they have uh they have the cyclorama, which is a gigantic painting. This is what they did in the in the very very late 1800s and early 1900s because there wasn't television and there wasn't podcasts and all that. What they used to do is go into these giant cyclorama buildings to see these elaborate paintings. The the cyclorama is like a a, a painting that's like literally 20 to 30 feet tall and it's around it's it's in a huge room all around and they also have like a diorama diagram type of uh setup on the floor with actual like broken up cannons and fields and trees and wells and all this stuff on the battlefield that goes around and you can't tell where that diagram ends and it meets the painting and the painting begins and then they do this interactive light show with it uh, it's very top-notch quality stuff. It's amazing. So if you ever get the opportunity to go to Gettysburg, and it, there's a lot to do there too. It's You can do a day trip there. It would be a really long day trip, but chances are, even on a day trip, you're not going to take in and see everything that there is to see. So your best bet is to plan you know, at least a two-day trip. But if you can't, if you're like me, it's two hours away, so you take a two-hour trip, you you do X, Y, and Z, and then if, then you, you come home, and then you plot another trip in a couple months, and you do A, B, and Z. That's how it rolls sometimes, but we took we took Amory with us, and it was, uh, it was a pretty good time. She was content the entire way. That kid is something else. I tell you. I tell you, that kid's something else. So there's been a lot of hearings going on, uh, impeachment inquiries and other things. I can't dive into details about the impeachment inquiries and all that stuff. Um, I I really can't um, because anything that has a hearing on Capitol Hill, I don't care what it is. It could be the the Mark Zucker face 
hearings, Zuckerberg, the Mark Zuckerberg hearings with Facebook and things of that nature. It could be the uh, congressional, you know, hearings for a Supreme Court nominee. And in this case, it's the impeachment proceedings of one president of the United States, Donald J. Trump. And I can't watch these things. I really can't. Like, I can watch clips sometimes. I, I do not. If you're one of those people that turns it on and watches all, you know, 16 hours of broadcast, you know, I think that you're probably not human a little bit. Like, you, you're definitely, something is wrong there because you don't have, <laughs> yeah, something is wrong there. You, you can't possibly be a human being and be like, well, I'm going to watch this. It just, that don't work. That doesn't jive, if you know what I mean. Uh, so I, I can't watch it like that. In fact, I came home from work yesterday on Friday, Friday morning, and they had those hearings going on. And so I hop into bed usually at eight o'clock in the morning. And, uh, you know, thanks to my Hulu TV, I get live TV, but I think they were streaming it live on like CBS and which is free to download as an app that streams news 24 seven because, you know, you're an insomniac and you wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and want to know what's going on in the world. I don't know. But they were streaming, they were live streaming the uh, the hearings and I put it on so that I could go to sleep because most of, most of the hearings, I'm not saying that information doesn't come from them, but a good 70, 70 to 75% of it is just this political theater. You know, you got senators that are allotted five minutes for asking questions, and there's hundreds of them, it seems, asking questions, mostly the same questions, and then just getting an opportunity to put out a soundbite or two. And so when it comes to the hearings, I watch the highlights. And and thus far, I haven't been too terribly impressed uh, with what's going on. But but the, the, the key thing right now is that everybody's talking about the whistleblower. The whistleblower. Now, some of this information might not be up to snuff. I did write this episode out about a week and a half ago. And that's when I intended to record it, but I didn't get the opportunity to record it. So I'm doing it now. And I have a whole stack of articles and pages of notes that I wanted to talk about the whistleblower because so many different opinions are coming up about the whistleblower, including people like uh, Rand Paul saying that, uh, you know, he he wants to drop the name of the whistleblower. He wants to publicly release the name of the whistleblower because the whistleblower should be publicly testifying. And there's lots of people questioning that. There's a lot of different opinions on the subject. Notwithstanding, uh, the libertarian position is very should be very clear, but apparently is very lost in the sauce, very confused right now. Uh, I printed out most of these articles on November 8th. So the dates that range on them are November 6th, November 7th, and November 8th. Just for some perspective. Um... But it started with started with this one here. From the Hill, posted by Mike Lillis on eleven seven nineteen. 
from Jim Jordan, quote, Republicans to subpoena whistleblower to testify in public hearing. So uh, this article goes to state, quote, Republicans intend to subpoena the government whistleblower to testify in the House's impeachment investigation into President Trump's dealings with the Ukraine, according to Rep. Jim Jordan, Republican from Ohio. Uh, the effort is not likely to bear fruit as Democrats have rejected the idea of outing the anonymous figure, citing safety concerns, and they have veto power over any GOP subpoena request for witness testimony. But Trump and his Republican allies in the Capitol have made the whistleblower a central part of their defense, casting doubts about the figure's political motivations, even as they readily acknowledge they don't know the person's identity. Now, it should be known the identity has been alleged for quite some time because of a news agency, I can't remember which one, outed the fact that he was a CIA agent, or at least a former CIA agent, with direct ties to the White House. So there's been lots of speculation, and a name dropped with pictures of who this person has associated with over the last couple years, five years, six years, we'll say. I'm not dropping the name because there's no surefire 100% evidence that this person is the whistleblower, number one. And number two, I'll explain that one later after I finish this article and dive into the other things I want to talk about when it comes with this whistleblower. This article further goes to state, quote, the whistleblower statute never required for anonymity, Representative Mark Meadows, Republican from North Carolina, told reporters recently. Behind House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff, Democrat from California, Democrats have hammered the Republicans for launching attacks on a figure before that person's role in the Ukraine saga, if any, is clear. Article further states, quote, from Schiff, Quote from Schiff, The president's allies would like nothing better than to help the president out this whistleblower. Our committee, our committee will not be a part of that. They have the right to remain anonymous. They certainly should not be subject to these kinds of vicious attacks. That is an example of what was going on. Some people are calling that witness intimidation. Some people are calling that uh, letting the justice process ride itself out as it should. This ties into another Hill article from uh, Jordan Carney, posted on 11-7, uh, titled, Senate Intel's Chair Doesn't Want Whistleblower's Identity Disclosed. This article goes to state, Senate Intelligence Committee Chairman Richard Burr, Republican from North Carolina, said on Thursday he doesn't think the identity of the whistleblower at the center of the House impeachment inquiry should be publicly disclosed. That's Richard Burr, Republican, saying that. Quote, we protect whistleblowers, we protect witnesses in our community. Lindsey Graham chimed in saying, quote, I think we should allow the president to know who the accuser is, and I think the whistleblower statute is being terribly abused here. Rand Paul also chimed in, telling reporters, quote, do your job and print his name because he alleged the reporters had the name. That is seemingly a turn for Rand Paul, by the way, who is usually staunchly about Fourth Amendment right to privacy, usually a libertarian-minded guy, and we'll dive into another aspect and angle on Rand Paul in a minute. 
Uh, this article further states, though, Burr, however, does not or does want to speak with the whistleblower, does want to speak with the whistleblower as part of his committee's investigation in the process. Lawyers for the whistleblower have offered to have the individual provide written answers to questions under oath, but Burr told The Hill last week that the setup was, quote, not acceptable. He went on to state, quote, we have a proven track record of protecting people's identity. I just think they were disingenuous when they sent us a letter saying how anxious they were to come before the committee, he added. So this begs a question of who's right and who's wrong when it comes to this whistleblower stuff. Is this whistleblower protected? Does this whistleblower have a right to anonymity? Does that mean that he would not publicly testify, he or she, would not publicly testify, and that he or she's name would not be publicly disclosed? Lots of question marks there. Um, Because of this, because of Trump's continued pressure, Donald Trump at his rallies has continually pressured about the identity of this whistleblower. Rand Paul has been stumping on the trail for him as a right-hand man, saying that he himself might just out the whistleblower's name uh, because there's no protection for the whistleblower. Among all this, Marty Johnson, The Hill, posted this on 11-7, article titled, Whistleblower Lawyer Send Cease and Desist Letter to the White House Over Trump's Attacks. This article states that Andrew Bacage, 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 Andrew Bacage, Hopefully I'm saying that right. One of the attorneys for the whistleblower sent a cease and desist letter to the White House counsel, Pat Kipolon. Kipoloni. Sure, whatever. Telling President Trump to stop attacking his client, CNN reports. In that letter, it states, quote, I'm writing to respectfully request that you counsel your client on the legal and ethical peril in which he is placing himself should anyone be physically harmed as a result of his or his surrogate's behavior. Adding that the president is, quote, engaging in rhetoric and activity that places my client, the intelligence community whistleblower, and their family in physical danger. Article further goes on to state that Bacadge's letter cites instances in which Trump told reporters that revealing the name of the whistleblower would be, quote, doing a public service. Bacadge went on to state, these are not words of an individual with a firm grasp of the significance of the office which he occupies, nor a fundamental understanding of the significance of each word he articulates by virtue of occupying that office. Bakaj continued stating, quote, Should anyone be physically harmed, my co-counsel Mark Zaid and I will not hesitate to take any and all appropriate action against your client. Further asserting, those who are complicit in this vindictive campaign against my client, whether through action or inaction, shall be responsible, be that legally or morally. So this goes back to that original question. Whistleblowers, are they protected? Are they not protected? What's the deal with this? I have a Congressional Research Service report 
to read off of about the identities of uh, whistleblowers. Which states that Section 7B of the Inspector General Act of 1978 um, provides for the identity of an employee making a complaint such as a whistleblower to remain undisclosed to the extent practicable. It says, quote, The Inspector General shall not, after receipt of a complaint or information from an employee, disclose the identity of the employee without the consent of the employee, unless the Inspector General determines such disclosure is unavoidable during the course of the investigation. But now I'd like to go to that, the Inspector General Act of 1978, as amended and enacted July 7th, 2014. Subsection 7, Complaints by Employees, Disclosures of Identity, and Reprisals. Section A, the Inspector General may receive and investigate complaints or information from an employee of the establishment concerning the possible existence of an activity constituting a violation of law, rules, or regulations, or mismanagement, gross waste of funds, abuse of authority, or a substantial and specific danger to the public health and safety. Section B, the Inspector General shall not, after receipt of a complaint of information from an employee, disclose the identity of the employee without consent of the employee unless the Inspector General determines such disclosure is unavoidable during the course of the investigation. This is law. This right here, this right here, the Inspector General Act of 1978, as amended and enacted July 7th, 2014. This is current. This is valid. This is the, this is the law. In the United States, stating that whistleblowers remain protected. They, they have the right to an amount of anonymity. So what does that make President Trump? What does that make Rand Paul? Specifically, what does that make Rand Paul? Well, I asked the Libertarian-in-Chief Todd Hagopian, who is a candidate running for... Um, Libertarian National Committee Chairman. More on that in a little bit. Stay tuned. Uh, he consistently, I believe it's on Thursdays, does an Ask Me Anything session where you can literally ask him any question that you can think of. And I asked him, quote, In regards to Rand Paul's recent move to call out for identifying the whistleblower, how do you feel? I'm torn, while such whistleblowers do need some level of protection, does that protection include anonymity overall? See, when I asked this question, I hadn't done the research. And his answer made me go do the research. Todd Hagopian's answer. Quote, I'm extremely disappointed with Rand Paul. Under the law, the IG is not allowed to disclose the identity of the whistleblower, and no retaliatory action is allowed to be taken against the whistleblower. I think at this point, both of those rules are going to be violated. End quote. End tweet. End whatever, how you want to call it. There's some truth to that. Granted, that law states that the Inspector General does reserve the right to disclose the name of a whistleblower. It puts it in there as an extreme final option when there is no other option. But for all intents and purposes, the Inspector General's Act covers it. 
legally. Legally provides protection for the whistleblower. So that has brought up people asking the question whether or not that makes sense. <clears throat> for instance, if somebody alleges you committed a crime, they can't really be anonymous because you have constitutional rights to confront your accuser in a court of law. But there's a caveat there. There's a caveat there. People are saying, oh, Donald Trump is being denied his rights as president of the United States to confront the accuser, this whistleblower. There's a caveat there, people. There is one thing that those people who argue that are overlooking, and that is the fact that in the impeachment process, while he's while impeachment hearings are going on, there is actually nothing, nothing that Donald Trump is being looked at for criminally. He's not being charged. That's not what the impeachment process is. The impeachment process is literally a hearing to determine if there was conduct that needs to be judged in such a manner. So, at this point, you have to ask, is the whistleblower and the information the whistleblower has, is that being reviewed right now as a criminal offense, and it's not. It's not being reviewed as a criminal offense. That's not what the impeachment process is. The impeachment process is literally a information gathering and and finding formal charges. But as of right now, nothing criminal is being alleged. So you have to keep that in mind. Yes, you have a right to confront your confuser, accuser, your confuser. I'm a confuser. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, am I a confuser. You have the right to confront your accuser in criminal court. If it's, if it's alleged that you have committed a crime, it's not what the impeachment process does. Rand Paul has kind of done this slimy little two-faced thing where, this is from Reason Magazine, by the way, posted 11-7 from Scott Shackford, um, <clears throat> which goes into that bit that I was just talking about. So let me read from this a little bit. Quote, Rand Paul, Republican from Kentucky, has proposed legislation that would protect whistleblowers from retaliation, but that would also likely expose their identities in criminal and presidential impeachment proceedings. Paul caused a stir Monday at a rally for President Donald Trump by calling the media to reveal the identity of the whistleblower. The next day, Paul said he himself might reveal the whistleblower's name. On Wednesday, Democrats in the Senate asked for unanimous consent to pass a resolution showing general support for the whistleblowers. The resolution does not actually do anything. It's just a public acknowledgement that the Senate in general supports whistleblowers and encourages the executive branch to protect them from retaliation for any wrongdoing they might reveal. The article goes on to state, Paul, however, objected to the resolution and wants to replace it with his own bill. Quote, the Whistleblower Protection Act of 2019. The bill would expand whistleblower protections to government contractors, not just government employees, and would be retroactive if passed, meaning that Snowden might potentially be able to include himself in the current whistleblower protections as a defense against charges of espionage. If that's all Paul's bill did, that would be awesome. But there's more. Appended at the end of 
at the end in this section of his bill. Quote, Congress reaffirms that in the cases of criminal prosecutions and impeachments arising from the disclosure of whistleblowers, the accused has the right to confront his or her accuser in such proceedings, and that right is not suspended by the whistleblower protections. In a companion piece over at the Hill, Paul explains this inclusion protects Trump's Sixth Amendment rights. In which Paul wrote, quote, The whistleblower's revelation, however, has resulted in an impeachment proceeding, essentially a trial of the president. If convicted, the impeachment trial could lead to criminal penalties after the president's term in office. Anonymity is not an option when your accusations trigger criminal penalties. The Sixth Amendment guarantees the right to confront one's accusers. The witness must both face his accuser and face questions regarding his own knowledge and activities. The Ukraine investigation has not yet resulted in an impeachment proceeding, and the House of Representatives have not yet voted to impeach Trump at this time that the article was written. That was the case. But further down in the article, quote, But the way Paul is talking about revealing the whistleblower now, during the investigation itself, is akin to the police revealing the names of witnesses to suspect to a suspect long before that suspect has been charged with any crime. The Sixth Amendment does not require the naming of witnesses in an investigation, nor should it. The Sixth Amendment, as written, applies to criminal prosecution. Leaving aside the question of whether impeachment proceedings fall under the category of a criminal prosecution, Trump is merely being investigated at the moment. What's more, Paul's effort to publicly identify the whistleblower, were they occurring in an actual criminal investigation rather than an impeachment investigation, would look a lot like witness intimidation. So, with all that being said, here's what I pull out of it. Here's what I get out of, out of that nonsense that I just went through. You have the Republicans and Donald Trump leading a campaign for this whistleblower to be identified and to testify in a public hearing. We, the people of the United States, do have a right to transparency in the government at least when reasonable at least reasonable enough a whistleblower in the government outing the government is something that a libertarian should support they should support whistleblowers in general people who want to ensure that there's not some deep-rooted secrecy going on in the government so libertarians at heart should be sympathetic Toward whistleblowers themselves. This whistleblower has been from the start hearsay, hearsay reporting about this phone call. This phone call, which actually did happen, which we actually have transcripts of. Well, not transcripts, we have summaries of, but there's a transcript of it somewhere. It's hidden on a secret computer that doesn't even store documents of that nature, in which Trump also has other phone calls with other foreign leaders, like such as China, stored on there. The whistleblower is a hearsay whistleblower, but the information that he whistleblowed checks out. <clears throat> Should he or she, uh, it's pretty much, pretty much well speculated it's a he at this point though. Should he or she not be granted the right of anonymity for reporting potential abuses from the government? I believe that they should. I believe that they should be provided those protections. That doesn't mean that they can't testify. They can do private hearings in the Senate. 
they can protect the identity of the person and still have them in part of the trial. It's a little risky, but there's solutions for it. There's a, a um, I believe it was Barr. Burr, my bad, Richard Burr, willing to grant protections and uh, also the whistleblower's lawyers willing to play ball and say he'll, he or she will answer questions uh, in written format, sworn under oath, but that wasn't fitting to Burr. There's a lot of, <clears throat> there's a lot of takes to be had within this. There's a lot of yeah, there's a, there's a lot of con- contesting information there. Uh, but ultimately, if we're going by law right now, if we're talking about lawful things and, and protections in place, the whistleblower, for all intents and purposes, is granted anonymity in this. And I think that that needs to be respected to some degree. I don't like President Trump running around saying that the name should be dropped or Rand Paul. Rand Paul is really has been really disappointing in that aspect. I agree with Dot, with Todd Hagopian on that. Todd Hagopian, if you don't follow him, he's the libertarian-in-chief on Twitter. He's a very smart guy, uh, very business uh, acumen about him, and he's running for the Libertarian National Committee chair for 2020. And he's got a pretty good plan. If you go to the libertarianinchief.com, you can see all about his platform and all the information he has to provide. And... <clears throat> I'm rather excited to announce that uh, he is potentially going to be a guest on this very program. I am actually talking with Todd Hagopian uh, as we speak back and forth, seeing about setting up a date uh, to do an interview about all of this. Talk to him a little bit about uh, his quest to change the Libertarian Party which I think is pretty important. I can't really dive into it much more than that. Uh, But keep your eyes peeled for a potential interview episode. It'll be the first interview ever on FritzCast if we pull this off. And I'm excited for it. And I want you to be excited for it, too. All right, guys. That does it for me for today, for this week. Remember, I love you all. I miss you. Uh, And I intend to be back before Thanksgiving to do an episode about being thankful about things. Maybe a little less hectic about all this. But this episode, I was glad to get it done about the whistleblower. What, do, what are your thoughts? What are your opinions on this thing? What do you feel? Do you feel this guy has, uh, this guy or gal, has all the protection in the world and should have it? Uh, or we need to have a little bit of leeway here? What? You tell me. Get in contact with me. Guys, you can follow me on Twitter at FritzQS, Facebook.com slash the FritzCast. The database is FritzCast database at WordPress.wordpress.com, not at wordpress.com and if you want to get in contact with me directly fritzcastpodcast at gmail.com love you all and I'll see you all next week maybe Bernie Sanders will be here we don't know <laughs>